How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 117 of TLDR Podcast. And I have this question mark because I need to make sure that that's right. I've been hosting this for way too many weeks. You'd think that I would just be able to keep track. Nonetheless, here we are. Um, welcome back to another great week. Um, all the boys are kind of hungry. We're kind of tired and uh, we're looking to, to, to move it along. Everyone is fine, right? Is anybody not fine on this podcast? Tyler's not fine. I mean, I'm a little not fine, but I'm fine enough to do a podcast. So it's good. Well, <laughs> that, see that now, now, now I feel bad because we should be listening to your problems, but we're not going to. No, that's a different um, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to stick. Tyler's we're going to go right into it. Um, we, we have an, we have an interesting, uh, an interesting week that just happened and an interesting week that's coming. One of the weirdest weeks in the NFL, James, will get to you. Um, I, I still don't, I mean, I still don't understand some of the things that happened. Uh, um, Tyler baseball's come you know, running out the last, I think we have like 10, nine, 10 games left. Yeah. Um, the question I have for you and everybody else, you don't have to answer it cause it's kind of rhetorical. Who is going to be the pitcher to give up the the home runs to uh, Aaron Judge it seems like nobody wants to. They do not want to be a trivia question because that is they become a trivia question at this point. Yeah, um, off the top of my head, I don't know who the Yankees are playing next. Um, I would like to see him do it at home for sure in front in front of the home crowd. Uh, if I had a more chance to answer that question with who they're playing next, maybe I can give you an answer. Um, but I, I was I was hoping he would do it against the Red Sox at home. That would have been awesome but he's just taking his sweet ass time i think i think he wanted to get you know pool holes his moment and let and let everyone soak in our pool holes but uh yeah he's really taken a long time to get those 61 well to be to be fair, like, he got right. walked twice today yeah he gets walked a lot unfortunately which i understand <laughs> because he's a scary person to pitch to but uh hopefully it happens soon because i've i haven't i've watched so many yankees games the last two weeks it's kind of ridiculous i almost feel like i'm a yankees fan now which is which does not sit well yeah. with me yuck yeah well orioles rangers just someone be nice um i'm just kidding make, make it hard on them. that's that's the point okay <laughs> we're gonna get right into it alex let's go right to basketball that is one uh, season that is still you know a couple weeks out um but nonetheless we need to get through your last last um you know discussion about these teams we have the hot shots in the west Yes, we are on to the final five in the Western Conference, the final five teams that we need to talk about. Um, we're going we're gonna to make this quick, but I feel like we have to talk about the Celtics head coach situation. Um, I don't know, James made a face, man. We don't talk about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, definitely don't talk about it. Uh, Ime Udoka is suspended for the season um, for – and a, a relationship with a female staff member of the Celtics. There's been, I feel like, conflicting reports yep. about how that relationship went. Um, I don't really know why we need to know that part, to be completely honest. But he's out for the season. Um, so I guess we'll just talk about it real quick. Also, James, you picked the Celtics to go back to the finals are you already regretting that decision now that they just lost their head coach? <laughs> yeah, uh, really happy I didn't bet against you on that one. Um, yeah, that's a mistake. They may not do that this year. Head coaches play a big role in the NBA. Okay, I will because that was an unforeseen circumstance and the season hasn't started yet. Would you like to change your pick? I will. I will let you pick a different team if you want, or go just. Double down. I was say balls deep, but that feels really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh. <laughs> with the Celtics. Fuck. I'm going to double down. Celtics going to win. Yes. <laughs> Proud of you. Okay. That a boy. I love that. Um, okay. So, we'll, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with the Celtics moving forward. Um, their assistant coach got um, upgraded to interim head coach. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but we will talk about that when we get there. Um, okay. So, the top five in the West last year, uh, the – uh, champion came out of this top five so this will be an interesting uh little group here we're starting off with a team that probably won't finish in the top five uh next year and that is the utah jazz um, we've obviously talked about them quite a bit um you know they've traded away rudy gobert donovan mitchell um they just traded away bogdanovich um the other day to the pistons they got um Oh, and uh, Pat Bev, we talked about him a while ago. So they got really like some of the big names, uh, Malik Beasley, Talon Horton Tucker, a bunch of rookies. Colin Sexton was part of the sign and trade out of the Donovan Mitchell deal and roughly every first round pick that the Thunder don't have for the next forever. Um, So really the Utah, we are not expecting to be anywhere near what their record was last year, 49 and 33 realistically the part about utah that is interesting now is their last two kind of remaining valuable vets uh, and that's jordan clarkson and mike Conley. so uh tyler we'll start with you when and where do mike Conley and jordan clarkson get traded do they go together do they go separate what are your what do you think because i don't really care about the jazz team at the moment uh, my gut says that they're probably going to go separate and I feel like the jazz are really going to take their time. I don't think they're really in much of a rush to offload those guys. Um, the reports that I've seen is that they're not really getting what they want in return from those guys. So I think they're going to wait till they get that kind of deal. Obviously draft picks is probably going to be the major thing that they want. Um, I think some teams like the Lakers, I know we're kind of in the mix for, uh, for, for, uh, Clarkson there but the draft picks were just too much. And I don't think that they're going to be a great fit for them. A team like maybe the Dallas Mavericks, I think teams like that that are kind of on the cusp and could use an extra boost, extra depth to kind of push them up into the upper echelon of those Western Conference teams, I think is a team to to to, to look out for in uh, possibly making the moves. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think it'll happen before the season starts. I think it's it might be more of a trade deadline kind of deal. I think a lot of teams are going to wait and see and I think that could also boost the Jazz's chance of probably getting more return because teams might be more desperate to give up something at that time. So that's where I kind of see it unfolding. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I mean, they, you know, they both obviously play in the backcourt. Mike Conley, um, definitely more of a vet, um, you know, has a little bit, has a little bit more to his resume than Jordan Clarkson does at this point in their careers. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess I would also be surprised if they got traded together. Um, it seems like they, you know, probably go in separate deals. Uh, I would say hopefully for both of them, they get out of Utah sooner rather than later. Um, you know, Mike Conley, when when he got traded to the Jazz, we were pretty hyped about it. We thought it was going to be a good fit. I don't think it's really worked out all that well there, but he still has kind of a lot to offer. Um, yeah, I mean, they're not going to get, you know, obviously the package they got for Gobert or Mitchell, um, obviously with those guys, but uh, it is. I I kind of think at least one of them gets traded before the season starts. Maybe a preseason injury. I mean, the whole Russell Westbrook thing is still up in the air. I don't know where that's going. James, you're nodding your head. You what? You kind of agree with me? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think one of them is going to go to the Bulls. 
Reports mm-hmm. come out recently. Lonzo Ball is going to be out for maybe the entire season because of his second knee injury because he can't run or jump without pain right now. So Jordan Clarkson would be a good fit for the Bulls if you want to go a more like passive route and you get Mike Conley, who's going to be a ball handler. But if you want more offense, you go Jordan Clarkson. One of these guys will go to Chicago. I don't know which one it is, but one of them will go to Chicago before the season begins. I like that pick. I I kind of think they would – I mean, they got a lot of offense. If Levine and DeRozan um, can kind of step it up, Caruso is obviously the best player in basketball. Um, I mean, Conley would kind of be a good – like, he's sort of a – Lonzo Ball, but 10 years older and left-handed almost, but with like a slightly better shot. So it's actually, that's a good call, James. I actually really like Conley to the Bulls. That's a good point. Um, But yeah, the Jazz are probably going to finish in the bottom tier of the West. Um, They've obviously blown it up. We will, it will be a while before the Utah Jazz are competitive again, but keep an eye out on where Clarkson and Conley go because they can definitely help a team on the rise. Uh, Moving on to a team that is still up there. Um, They lost in the Western Conference Finals last year, and that is your Dallas Mavericks. Um, Out Jalen Brunson, who signed a huge deal with the Knicks. We talked about, like, it feels like a long time ago at this point. Uh, Trey Trey Burke goes to Houston. Uh, Really, the part that sucks is Boban also goes to Houston. Um, He was obviously the heart and soul of that team. Um, But really, all of those guys going to Houston is because Christian Wood is coming to Dallas. Uh, so, James, you're a big Christian Wood guy. We've talked about this in the past. Is Christian Wood and a healthy Tim Hardaway Jr., who is kind of always like the second guy, even when Porzingis was there, are, if they're both healthy, if they fit in well with Luka, does this push them potentially over the top to really make them one of the contender contenders? Because I feel like even though they got to the Western Conference Finals last year, none of us really thought they were like one of the better teams in the West. I definitely think that it does. I like that one-two punch in Christian Wood and Luca. Like Wood is a very talented big man, post scorer, defends the post really well, great defender, can get 15 plus rebounds a game. And he is also a great stretch four, stretch five. He can shoot the three-point ball. Like he's been working out on that the last couple of years, and it's looking really good recently. He can, and then on Luca, on the other hand, obviously the number one on that team, the guy, the superstar, he can score from anywhere. Did you guys watch EuroLeague? This last summer, like this boy is increasing his range tenfold. He can pull up from damn near half court and switch that shit every single time. Um, it's going to sound a little blasphemous when he's saying, making this comparison, but I see shades of Kobe and Powell in these two. Kobe, Luca, all around scorer, can do whatever with the ball. Powell, great big man, great passer. That's what Christian Wood can be, except a little bit more physical than Powell. And on the edge is what Tim Hardaway is. And that's exactly what you want in a, your third option. Three and D. Three and D. Luca's going to drive the ball. He's going to shoot the ball. Christian was going to be in the post passing or shooting. If you're going to drive and kick, nobody better than Tim Hardaway from the three. It's what you want. That's one, two, three. You have a driver. You have a postman. And then you have a three ball. Like, that's an all-around offensive team there. And if Luca can lock down a defense a little better and Christian would defend the post like he normally does – you're looking at a very, very, very good team. I like that. They also did get JaVel McGee from Phoenix, who is a silly human being, but is athletic as fuck and can play some really good D. So that can even take some of the pressure off of Christian Wood, who can potentially focus more on the offensive side and working well with Luca. So I do. I like that points a lot, James. I think this Mavericks team got better. 
Um, obviously the, you know, the Porzingis thing and Luca never really worked as well as they were hoping. Uh, James, they had 52 wins last year. How many do they get more? How many? And by how much, how many more? 58, six more. 58 wins. That is a lot. Yeah. Okay. Good for first. Uh, no, that would have been second. good for second. Yeah. I think they will take second this year. Okay. I like that. Moving on to the next team, Kylie's Golden State Warriors. They won the championship again, of course. Um, out, Bielitsa, Damian Lee, Gary Payton II, Otto Porter, and Juan Toscano. Uh, and Dante DiVincenzo, Jamichael Green, Mac McLung, who doesn't really count. I don't know why I just said his name, and a bunch <laughs> of other rookies. Uh, obviously, the Warriors won last year again. Uh, Steph carried them. Dame, uh, Draymond was Draymond. Uh, Clay is kind of coming back into Clay as himself. But the beauty of the Warriors, if they, is they have had some incredible role role guys through their championship seasons. They lost a lot of those role guys, like, like I just mentioned. So trade in. Uh, like, what do you think about these guys that these key role guys that they lost? Kind of who can kind of step up, and are they going back to back? Uh, look, I don't know if they're going to go back to back, uh, just because it's so hard to go back to back in any of these sports. So I'm going to say no, because I think that that's the safe option. Um, I, you know, but do I think, do I expect them to, to make a Western conference final appearance? Yes, I, I would, I, I would be disappointed in anything less than that, but jarring any, or, you know, barring any injuries that, that may occur. Um, we are going to, we're, we're going to see a team that's going to be backed up. We saw what Jordan Poole could do. Uh, and Jordan Poole has, was a huge part of, of their run in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs. We all saw that. Um, DiVincenzo, I think is a, is a nice system add. Honestly, I think, I think you're going to give a little bit more minutes to Kaminga. I think James Wiseman might find his way um, into the lineup as well. I, the, the, the Warriors have found ways to really get their, role players and their and their bench players going and we've seen that time and time again um and then you add to the fact that you're gonna have a healthy clay thompson a full healthy clay thompson right off the bat hopefully a, a fully uh healthy uh steph curry off the bat and you have a fully healthy uh draymond green right off the bat those are the three that have done it for so long they have done it time and time and time again and if, if they're going to go out and do, and, you know, do their thing, I'm never, we're never worried about those three. Um, and then we can find a little bit of pull from those, from those depth players. Jordan Poole continues to be a, you know, a fantastic player that is finding, finding a way to, um, you know, carve his way into the lineup and, and make a difference, which he has um, along with, um, you know, Andrew Wiggins, fairly consistent production. I think that this team is going to be, is boating well for the, you know, one, once again, to turn, you know, I don't know if you can say turn heads anymore, but I think that they're definitely going to a playoffs, going to the playoffs. Um, I don't know if they're going to get necessarily more than 53 wins. I just, you know, as James said, um, the Mavericks are going to be better. Um, we're going to be talking about the Suns. I don't know where they're going to end up with all this, with all the noise. But, um, you know, we also have another great team in, in Memphis that is going to be um, a, a force too. So um, I, I don't know if they're going to do so well as much in the, regular season but again this seems like a tampa bay-esque type of team that just says hey get me to the playoffs because that's all i give a shit about um they learned their lesson after they went for the the record you know what was in like 2018 or whatever 2017 
Um, just get me to the playoffs because that's all that fucking matters. Um, and then the role guys will fi- find their role. And I, I would be disappointed in anything less than a Western Conference berth. Yeah, you made a really good point about the Tampa thing. I was going to compare it to the like second uh, stint of LeBron in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, they were in the they were the four seed half the time. They didn't give a fuck. They you know just get me in. LeBron was going to carry them to the finals either way. Um, it is incredible that Andrew Wiggins, who's a former number one overall pick, like is forgotten on this team just because like. Obviously, Steph is an all-time great. Like, he gets to sit at the table with the all-time greats now. Clay should have been a top 75 all-time player. Draymond is, you know, love him or hate him. He gets a lot of attention, and he normally does things well for you for an, on a basketball team. Yeah, the James Wiseman thing, like, I mean, he barely played last year, and he's a former, you know, top two pick. So, um, the Warriors are set up to be successful again, obviously, but if one of those three get hurt, um, especially if Steph gets hurt there, I think that's trouble. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a, obviously, you know, it's just like if Chris Paul gets hurt or LeBron gets hurt or Luca gets hurt, like any of these big guys, like we've talked about it over and over and over again, the NBA is a star driven, uh, in a league. And if, you know, one of those stars get hurt, they're in trouble. But, um, I think the Warriors have a really good shot to just run it through again, um, there's definitely some kind of question marks with some of these other teams. So, and you know what, like other than probably like Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr gets more out of his team than almost any other head coach in the last 15 years, probably. So uh, Steve Kerr and that, and that Warriors organization, have got it. They've got it figured out. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. Maybe they're using the tech guys to, cheat or something but whatever I mean, they, they're the definition of draft and develop and they've done yeah. that so long yeah. other than other than the kevin durant thing that that's yeah it. they're they have done the best job in a really long time um speaking of a team that has done a really good job very recently in drafting and developing uh training just mentioned them earlier the memphis grizzlies 56 and 26 um i think this is like a, a big jump none of us were i mean we thought memphis was gonna be good I was not expecting 56 wins and a second seed um, out of Memphis last year. Um, out for them is Kyle Anderson. He goes to Minnesota. Jarrett Culver goes to Atlanta. Uh, DeAnthony Melton goes to Philly. Uh, a bunch of rookies. And then Danny Green, who just wins championships or makes the playoffs. It's like That's all Danny Green does. Uh, he comes in from Philly. Um but really, it's the trio of their three young guys, Ja Morant, who's obviously already a superstar, top 15, you could potentially say top 10 player in the league. Jarrett Jackson Jr., who's a monster. He just needs to be healthy. And Desmond Bain, who really had a kind of a breakout year last year. Uh, James, so kind of what does this trio need to do? You know, they it kind of feels like they need to get past the Warriors. Like, the Suns have been great. You know, they made the finals the year before. Um, but it's really kind of like the Warriors are still kind of the class of the West at this point, at least in my opinion. Um, so what, what do those three guys need to do to kind of like cement themselves, uh, to get past the Warriors? They need to work on consistency and health being one of them. Uh, but consistency is key because a lot of the times, like in these games, somebody else would be the best player or the best scorer for the team, especially when John Brown was out for a long period of time. It, was, it would pivot between Desmond Bain and Jared Jackson Jr. or a role player who would just step up and be good. 
right? And then whenever John Morant came back in, he would be the guy for the majority of the time, but there would be days that he wouldn't be shooting that well. The consistency part comes into this because as everybody else stepping up is great, there were times a lot towards the end of the season and in the playoffs where nobody stepped up. They all looked at each other and be like, yo, you be the guy this time, then you step it up. And that just didn't happen, and then you lose games. John Morant or Desmond Bain or somebody here needs to be like, okay, nobody's stepping up. I'll just step up right now and get it done. But they just aren't mature enough just yet. This is a very young team, guys. Like we, Alex had mentioned, like we didn't expect them to be this good this fast. And I don't think they did either. They just kind of came into this and were like, whoa, we just won like 50-plus games. Like this is cool. I expect them to have a little bit of like a hangover, like a in the NFL, a Super Bowl hangover this upcoming year. Like look at the Bengals this year and how shitty they're doing because they went to the Super Bowl. And that's kind of what the Grizzlies are going to do. They've done so well in the regular season, made it to the playoffs and did really, really well. Coming into the season, they're not going to work as hard. They're going to be like, ah, we did that last year. Let's let's just do the same process, same thing. But if you're not adding something or getting better, and everybody else is, like we talked about last week, you're actually getting worse. And so they need to work on consistency, work on maturity, and have somebody, probably John Moran, be the guy when nobody else steps up. Yeah, James, that's a really good point on their consistency thing. So to kind of add a story to that, I saw them play uh, the Kings last year. Obviously, the Grizzlies were really good. The Kings were shit, as always. At (laughs) halftime, it was like it was tied or the Grizzlies were maybe up by two points. And, you know, and then the second half, you kind of saw them be like, this is dumb. We should be destroying this team. And then they won by like 30. So like it's kind of that complacency, like we should be a 55 plus win team, but yeah, are they going to come out and play that way? Because it's the NBA. Like you never know what's going to happen. I mean, during that, you know, like trading alluded to earlier, the Warriors big record run, they lost to a Lakers team that won like 15 games that year. So like anybody can be anybody, but in the NBA, you know, teams like the Grizzlies should be destroying teams like the Kings. So you know, maybe this will be, you know, what they did last year will be a great learning experience and a big step up. Um, I'm expecting big things. Um, I mean, I think this team is good. Jared Jackson Jr. is going to be out for a while. Um, he's still dealing with an injury, but once he comes back, I'm expecting, you know, them to be another top contender in the West and for a long time, because you're, you're right, James, they are a young team. So they, they've got a way to go. Uh, moving on to the Phoenix Suns, they, you know, we just talked about the Super Bowl hangover. They came out after, you know, losing in the finals to the Bucks two years ago to finish 64 and 18 for the best record in basketball. Uh, they did not make it past the second round. Um, and out is Aaron Holiday, JaVel McGee, like we mentioned er- earlier, Alfred Payton. Uh, in comes Damian Lee from Golden State, Dwayne Washington Jr. for Indiana. Literally in the last week, a bunch of shit has seemed to gone wrong in Phoenix. So first, the Suns owner says a bunch of ra- like racist and misogynist co- uh, comments. He, the NBA suspended him, and now he's selling both the Suns and the WNBA team. Uh, I think they're the mystic is what they're called. Then, like literally yesterday, uh, Jay Crowder, who's kind of one of their big you know, vet role guys, Goes on to Twitter, pretty much says like, uh, you know, Phoenix, the training camp's about to start. And he's like, 99 won't be there. That's his number. Now he kind of wants out. And then maybe five hours ago, uh, they're at, you know, their first press conference or whatever it is. DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick from a couple of years ago, 
you know, he signed this big offer sheet with Indiana. Phoenix matched it. So he stays in Phoenix. Uh, they asked how it went. And he was like, yeah, it happened. And like, how do you feel? And he's like, it's done. I'm like, that's exciting. You just got paid a shit ton of money. And then he says, oh, yeah, I haven't spoken to my head coach since I got sat in game seven of last year's playoffs. Feels like a lot of distractions down there in the desert. Ty Ty. Phoenix, obviously, they had a great uh, regular season. It kind of flamed out in the postseason. Are these distractions already becoming an issue? Like, is Phoenix already in trouble? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is a lot to handle going into a season. Um, you know, I feel like they're going to get off to a really bad start. I don't know if it's going to be enough for them to turn it around. I feel like they're, they're talented enough to probably make the playoffs. I just don't think it's going to be very pretty. I think it's going to be a rocky road all season. I mean, everything starts from the top. And when you have a, a situation like that with their owner that clearly is, is, is awful and it's not going well and he's out and it creates all this, it's a trickle-down effect from there. Um, and there's, you know, there's coach-player drama. Um, their season did not end well last year. I don't. I feel like they didn't really do a whole lot to address those issues from, 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 from last season. So even if there wasn't a whole lot of this drama coming from upstairs, I don't know if this Suns team would be all that. I don't know if I'd have so much confidence in this in the Suns going into it. But then you add all this other off the court stuff. I feel like it's going to be a pretty bumpy road in Phoenix this year. I like I said, I feel like they just on talent alone will probably be a fringe playoff team. Um, but it definitely could go their way. It definitely could just tank and just everything could just explode. And we'll have a freaking supernova out, out there in Phoenix. Um, who who knows what could happen? But certainly not expecting a ton. I don't think they're going to be that upper echelon of contenders in the West like, we, like, like we've seen from them for the, the last couple of years. Um, not expecting much from the Suns team. Yeah, and don't forget, too, the Suns team was pretty much this, the same team. And then when Chris Paul got there, they became what they are now. Like, if, if Chris Paul, who's 37 – He's had a ton of injuries in the past. If he has any sort of injury history, like we have not seen anybody else on the Suns team lead an NBA team to any sort of success. So yeah, there's a lot of question marks in Phoenix. I I have a little more faith that I think they'll kind of come together and be pretty good. I'm not expecting 60 plus wins again. Um, I also just kind of think they won't do that. Sort of like, what Traden was talking about with the Warriors, I feel like they were kept pushing to have this incredible record, and then they just got tired and exhausted in the playoffs. But um, James Traden, anything on the Suns before we do our last little our little picks? Uh, I agree more with Tyler. I don't think they're going to be anywhere close to what they were last year. Um, are they a French playoff team? I think they might be a French playoff team, but I also think that that's pushing it. CP3, guys, is another year older. He was old to begin with. He played half the games to begin with. It's not looking good for this guy. And if for him to be the leader of the team, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be pretty. Uh, this this is gonna be a bad year for Phoenix. Okay. Uh, for for me for me the the biggest question mark is that offer sheet. I mean, you know, I know players know that a business is business, and that and that's just the way it is. It's just sometimes it it can just rub players the wrong way. It's like, oh, you didn't want to play here. You know, it it, it just especially if things go awry. So, um, you know, you could see some, some issues in the locker room. Yeah. I Phoenix is definitely going to be a team. I think everyone's watching for their first, you know, 10, 20 games. Um, and if it's not going well, 
Well, I bet there'll be some shakeups. Yeah, the it's it's going to be a weird season in the desert for sure. Um, okay, last things. Obviously, last week we finished the East. I had the boys pick all of their Eastern Conference champions. James is obviously sticking with his C's. Uh, Traden, we'll start with you. So you picked the Bucks out of the East. So also, I want you to tell me who's going to win the West, and then tell me who's the champ. Um, I don't. I said I didn't think that they'd make it. So the Warriors are gonna. I I'm gonna say the Warriors are gonna make it to the finals out of the West. Okay. And the I think it might be the Bucks' time time though. Ooh, uh, Bucks Warriors finals would be pretty sweet. I would I would like that one. Uh, Tyler, you also picked the Bucks to come out of the East. So who's coming out of the West, and which one of them is winning? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go walk it in Memphis just to be just do something. I hate that fun. you just said that. Yeah, I know you love it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go Grizzlies. Gonna make it coming out of the West. Uh, gonna pull off an upset against the Warriors in the final. Um, and I'm, but I'm gonna go with the Bucks ultimately as the NBA champs. Okay, so we got two Bucks as NBA champs. James, you're sticking with the Celtics. Who's coming out of the West? Uh, so I just want to explain this first. I have the Warriors take the number one seed, but I have the Mavs, like I said, taking number two seed, and I think they're going to make it through all the way to the finals. The take on the Celtics from Mavs Celtics finals with Christian Wood and Luka Doncic getting their first championship. Wow. Okay, so Mavericks over Celtics. I had the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm going to pick the Houston Rock. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Wow. I don't want to pick the Warriors. I feel like they will get out of there. I'm going to go out on a limb. The Denver Nuggets wow. are going to come out of the West. Jokic is going to, and Murray are going to figure it out. Hmm. And James Harden and Joel Embiid are going to win their first championship. And Philly will burn to the ground because they will celebrate like no other city really can. Yeah, because the Eagles are I, in the Super Bowl, and then in the so, oh god, here we go. Yeah. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> yeah. So I'm going. So to repeat, Traden's got the Bucks winning. Tyler's got the Bucks winning. James is going Mavs. I'm going 76ers. I'm sure we will all be wrong, and it will be the Orlando Magic. Uh, but Traden, we are done with the NBA. The season starts in three-ish weeks. Uh, so we're all done and we'll just have to get excited for the season now. Let's go get time to get excited. Um, I think the world would burn. I think at least, I think this whole podcast would burn if it was the Nets, if the Nets won. The, the, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we would all just be like, what the fuck's going on? So, uh, you know, just for chaos, you kind of hope that, you know, you can get that. I, I'm, yeah. I, I like, I like, I'm the agent of chaos in that sense. So yeah. thank you very much to Alex. That was a very fun. Um, what is that? six weeks you took us through um very very exciting um next week we start uh talking about hockey and it's going to be quick it's going to be very quick so uh so alex i um i appreciate you taking over my duties then um but until then um alex we look forward to the start of the season we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about football waiver wires with james Welcome back, everybody. Week three is in the books in the NFL. Crazy week. We had no names scoring touchdowns all over the fucking place. 
Um, and big names doing absolutely shit. Thank you, Justin Jefferson, for yet another terrible week. James, who do I need to pick up to replace Justin Jefferson? <laughs> you guys uh, listened to my you know, segment last week. I hope you didn't. <laughs> Paid some bad picks, guys. I'm like Mike Williams. I have one good week and one bad week. This should be a good week. I actually feel really good about this. But before we begin, we'll talk about our fantasy league real fast. I beat Trayden because Justin Jefferson didn't do anything. Tyler and Eric both won and Alex lost. So standing so far, me and Ty are tied for first undefeated. Alex is tied for third and Trayden is tied for sixth. My quarterback pick for this week, and I'm kind of cheating because it's over 50%, is Trevor Lawrence out of Jacksonville. 50.7%, so not that much over, not even 1% over, but 50.7% rostered, 25.18 points against the Chargers, 28 completions on 30 attempts, or 262 yards and three touchdowns. Guys, I think it's time to admit that the Jags and Doug Peterson are actually a decent team, and they're better than anybody thought that they were going to be. This offense is actually looking legit. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played really well against a good Chargers defense. Granted, Joey Bosa did leave with a groin strain. Uh, but still, that's a good Chargers defense. Derwin James, Khalil Mack, they're decent defense, and he played really well against them. And Christian Kirk, their offseason acquisition, is looking really, really good. Up next, they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Solid defense. I, I mean, they, they're good. but And an even better offense. So, therefore, I think the game should be pretty high scoring. Doug Peterson was the last coach of the Eagles, just so you guys know, before Nick Sirianni. So he knows a decent amount about these players and their weaknesses. So that kind of gives Jacksonville a kind of a a leg up on competition and coaching because he knows exactly what these players do and their tendencies are. So even though the Jacksonville Jaguars are the inferior team, Doug Peterson knows everything about Philadelphia. Tyler, what do you think about Trevor Lawrence? Love Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Yeah, the Jaguars are wagging so far this year, man. I love what Doug Peterson is doing there, there in Jacksonville. Obviously, huge respect for, for Doug Peterson, him, you know, taking the Eagles to a, a Super Bowl a few years ago. I agree with you, James. I think this in, this matchup against Philly is going to be really fun to watch just from a pure football perspective. I think that's going to be one of the more exciting games early on um, this season. But I like what you said about, you know, the, the Philly defense the last couple of weeks has been very good, and especially against uh, uh, quarterback, the quarterbacks against um, Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz, but both those quarterbacks kind of suck, so. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I feel like is actually going to be better than those two. And I think that like the, the Philly, de- Philly defense has definitely done super well the last two weeks. I think like they're, they're, they're going to come, they're coming back down to earth just, just a little bit here against uh, the, the Jaguars in week four. Trevor Lawrence has progressively gotten better each and every week in terms of, in terms of his fantasy output. Um, I feel like they've got a lot of momentum going in, into this week. So I like Trevor Lawrence a lot here against the, 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 the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I, I agree, James. I think it's going to be a, a high scoring affair. And that Jags offense looks really, really good. So why not go for him? Shane, what do you think, man? Yeah, no, Goldilocks just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Um, just he needs to cut his fucking hair. I say that every fucking time I see him. Um, I have, you know, this is kind of um, putting my foot in my mouth from last week because I went against him, although, you know, that's on me. I'm going to say because no one has picked him up and didn't listen to James where they should have, Sir Jared Thomas Goff should be picked up in this week. Um, you, He has averaged 18.5 points per game this season. He is playing a Seattle defense that is not the elite defense we are very we are very much used to. Jamal Adams being out in, in Seattle has even weakened them even further. Seahawks have given up an average of 17.5 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. Um, 
And at that point, and they've also given up an average of 251 y- passing yards per game. Um, and I'm sorry, guys, the Lions are are looking pretty decent at times. So uh, I, I I think that the uh, I think that Sir Jared Thomas Goff is a guy that you need to pick up. The one little pushback I have against that is that the two best players outside of Jared Goff for the Lions will be out. And that's DeAndre Swift, who's a pass catcher, and Amon Ross St. Brown, who is his number one target. You could argue that 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 he he could up his passing attempts as a result of swipping out. Oh, see, I argue it differently, which is why when we move on to running back, like we're about to right now, my pick is Jamal Williams, running back out of Detroit. 44.4% rostered. He had 24.7 points against Minnesota, 20 attempts for 87 yards, two touchdowns, and two receptions for 20 yards. It's honestly at the beginning of the year, it's a 1A, 1B situation with him and DeAndre Swift, but DeAndre Swift is hurt. And he's the way the Lions play, they're very conservative. They said he's going to be out a couple of weeks and they might even bring him back after the bye, which is week nine. That's going to be a long time. And a lot of just Jamal Williams, who is a good running back. If you guys remember back in, when he was with Green Bay, he split duties with Aaron Jones too. And he was a good running back. He's a goal line running back who can run between the tackles. And he's so good at it that the Lions used him for 20, 20 attempts. DeAndre Swift never got 20 attempts, but Jamal Williams did. But Jamal Williams in the backfield and no Amon Ross St. Brown, they're going to run the ball a lot more, especially against a Seattle team that sucks. They'll be up big, run the ball, run out the clock. Jamal Williams is your guy. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on Jamal Williams? I mean, you pretty much just said it all. So, yeah, DeAndre Swift is hurt. Jamal Williams, we've seen him be, you know, in both in Green Bay and just last week being a very, you know, fantasy relevant uh, running back. If anything, you should pick him up because he's got hips that do not lie. And <laughs> he's the leader of he's one of the leaders of that Lions offense. If you saw him on Hard Knocks crying, trying to get everybody hyped up because James already said all the fun shit. So I'm going to make stuff up like his <laughs> hips and his leadership. Pick him up. He's going to be the main. He's going to be the main back in Detroit. We just, you know, Detroit's obviously a lot better this year than they were last year. Um, in and without St. Brown, why not use now probably your best we- weapon other than um, uh, what's his name, Hawkinson? They, he's probably going to get a lot of touches, and he's playing a shit Seattle team. That all adds up to positives, and somehow he'll get two points because. That's how fantasy works. But you really should pick him up because he's probably going to do great. I love your points. It was great. I, I think you said the fun shit, not me. Trayton, <laughs> what do you think about Jamal? Yeah, for me, um, I like Khalil Herbert. Why? Because I don't know how long David Montgomery is going to be out. We, no one does. And the fact – and Herbert has set, certainly proved that he can be a solid, solid, more than solid running back for the Chicago Bears – he got 20 carries for 152 yards, 157 yards, excuse me, and two touchdowns along with two catches for 12 yards on two targets. They faced a Giants team that had no business with facing Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Um, and I believe that Herbert has a has top 10 upside potential this this uh, this game against the Giants. So he's the kind of an easy pickup. I actually just picked him up. Oh, good for you. Let's see if your waivers actually go through. Moving on to wide receiver, I got Matt Collins out of Las Vegas for the Raiders. 0.8% rostered, 29.96 points against Tennessee, 8 for 10, 50, 158 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I think he was the top wide receiver of fantasy this week. Uh, Matt Collins is actually a very significant part of his offense, believe it or not, even though you've never heard his name before. He's had 18 targets over the last two games, guys. If Devontae Adams is on the team, 
Doesn't matter. Darren Waller's on the team. Doesn't matter. Boy still had 18 targets, which is outpacing everybody on that team. The defenses will typically double up and send help to De- Devonta Adams and Darren Waller, which we've definitely seen. And it frees up Mac Collins. He draws the weakest cornerback, or weakest safety or linebacker every single time because they're so concerned about defending Devontae and Darren Waller. Matt Collins is going to be good. Up next, they play Denver. That's a defense, de- or that's a desperate defense, guys, or d- good offense, desperate defense. But I think the Raiders are even more desperate to get their first win of the season. Trade in your thoughts on Matt Collins. Love, love, love it. This is a guy that in two weeks has had around 30% of the production he had entering, um, entering the year from last year. I mean, he's already, he's already done incredible in the, in the first two weeks relative to even last season. Um, what's even crazier is um, he's played more than 90% of the offensive snaps for the Las, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that rose from 85% before Hunter Renfro came in. So he hasn't even really, it's not like he got that much more, but he is getting a lot more, um, you know, targets for sure. Um and he's been consistent on the field for these first three weeks. Um, and, and that's what's crazy. I mean, I think that the first week we saw Devontae Adams get fed and fed and fed by Derek Carr just because of that relationship. And they kind of wanted to establish that in the first week. That's it seems like D- Derek Carr is looking elsewhere now. Um, you're seeing you're seeing this guy find, you know, run great routes, getting open in many, many different situations. He is not he's not playing against the best option, uh, you know, the best option defense. Um, and at this case, in this point, I think that Hans is a very solid pick as a probable um, wide receiver two for this team. Tyler, why do you hate Matt Collins? Because he's on a team that's a wagon. Who did I say was a wagon right now? The Jacksonville Jaguars. And I got Zay Jones this week. Now, this guy last week went off for 24 and a half points, 10 receptions on 11 targets, 85 yards and a touchdown against the Chargers. Like, as we said, it's a pretty, pretty solid defense over there. Um, I like what they're going to do. Like we mentioned against Philly, I feel like they're going to go off again. Uh, Zay Jones had a, had a pretty solid week one, uh, eh, kind of week two, but then went off in, in week three. Now, obviously there's, this is a young, exciting team. We don't really know kind of who is establishing in, in what direction, but I like the way that Zay Jones is projected. You've got to like those numbers that he's put up early. He's rostered. And I think only like, you know, 18% of leagues, not, not, not even in that. Um, he's the guy that's available ready for you. This, this Jacksonville Jaguars team, as we mentioned, are, 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 are flying high right now. So why not pick up Zay Jones and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Decent pick. Don't like it, but decent pick. <laughs> well, moving on to tight end, Tyler Conklin, New York Jets. Who would have thought I'd ever have a Jet on my waiver rise section? But here we are with Tyler Conklin, 10.9% rostered, 16.4 points against Cincinnati, eight receptions on eight targets for 84 yards. And truth be told, I re- only really know about this guy because Traden was doing waivers for Kylie at dinner on Saturday. And I was like, oh, pick up Tyler Conklin. And then it got into my mind. And I'm like, damn, Tyler Conklin's actually pretty damn good. He's been targeted 24 times over the last three games. That's more than Matt Collins has been targeted. And we just talked about how good he was and how big of an offensive part he was. Tyler Conklin is the offense right now. It's crazy. 24 times in three games. Insane. He only has one touchdown in the season, but his usage and targets overcome that. The fact that he's getting that many receptions in PPR, like, whew, that's at least eight points a game. Like, this is your guy. He is tight end sucked this year. Honestly, you're getting random touchdowns from random tight ends, but at least this guy gets production and is consistent about it. Up next, they play Pittsburgh, which in years past was a de- de- decent defense. But right now, not so much, especially as TJ Watt is out. They don't look the best. 
tight end guy trading your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you kind of, you know, covered everything with this guy, this guy, uh, you know, 24 targets, 18 catches through three games, 140 yards and a touchdown to show for it. Consistent targets at this position, as you just mentioned, are hard to come by. And this guy is getting consistently targeted, you know, between seven and an average eight targets a game um, for, you know, the reception count continues to go up. He has double digit points in every single game. That is insane for a guy that's rostered 11% as a tight end. That's insane. You should definitely have this guy picked up. Um, and I think that he's going to be part of your, if you have, are having trouble on the tight end side, this guy is going to be sticking with you for the rest of the season. Alex, your thoughts on Tyler Conklin? I mean, I like it. Obviously the target share is great, but my, you know, Uzama is still there. He, you know, he left with an injury, didn't really do much after that. Um, you know, a, a worry I have is so like Flacco started the first three games. Zach Wilson is potentially coming back week four. He had a knee injury during training camp. We don't, you know, whatever may happen, he may or may not, he may be great. He may still be kind of lingering and not quite as, you know, you know, he's known for kind of being a mobile guy. So I think it's just a little bit of a worry uh, with the quarterback getting switched over. Um, another guy to look at, we've seen him be productive in the past is David Njoku out of the, out of Cleveland. Uh, he went, he had nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown last week. He's only rostered in like 24% of the leagues or something. Um, and they're playing and you know, after Amari Cooper, he's pretty much the second, the second option in that offense. And just to the, the next three opponents, Atlanta shit team, the chargers who defense we just talked about is pretty good, but it's kind of beat up recently. And then new England whose defense has not been as good as they have been in the past. And then even a Baltimore defense for the following week, that has not been as good as we've seen in the past. We saw a total shootout with Miami a couple weekends, a couple weeks ago with them. So just watch out for him. They're playing some iffy defenses. He's the second guy in that option or in that, in that offense. And he's kind of a monster. And like, we've seen him be productive in the past. So um, I like Conklin. I just might like Njoku a little better. I love that reasoning, man. The boys thinking long-term love that. That wraps up waiver wire segment for week four. Hope you guys enjoyed Thank you very much, James. I need all the help I can get. I was very, very, very cranky on Sunday all day. And it, it just, I hate that. Um, and so um, I just hope that it's a better Sunday for me. Um, James, congratulations. Um, I'm an idiot. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about MLB Dams with Tyler as he is two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, two weeks away from the MLB postseason. And we're back from the football field to the baseball diamond. Tyler, you have some O-dams as you, as you round out the last couple weeks of the uh, of the regular season. What do you got in store for us this week? Yeah, boys, we got this week and next week are going to be our final two MLB regular season weeks. And then we're going to get into October baseball where the where we all will. That's what we're all been waiting for is, for, is postseason baseball. So we got two more regular season weeks. Um Pretty much a lot of teams have kind of started to wrap up some divisions. The Yankees just clinched about 20 minutes ago. They clinched their division. Um, every division in the American League is wrapped up. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Cleveland Guardians in a little bit. Um, the Astros obviously clinched in the West. In the National League, got the, you know, we talked about the Dodgers already clinching. Um, the Cardinals, if they hold on to their win tonight and win tomorrow, they will clinch the uh, National League Central. So the only real race up there is the uh, National League West between the Braves 
and the Mets, and that can come down to the last game of the season. And then that National League wild card is very interesting. The, Bre- the Brewers are only one game back of the Phillies currently. And the American League wild card is still for grabs. The, the, the Orioles are still only three and a half games back of, of, of the uh, American League wild card. The Mariners have not been playing their best baseball lately, so they're starting to tank a little bit. So it's going to be a little interesting both in, in the, that final wild card spot, just as we had hoped as MLB did, it did expand those, those uh, playoffs uh, spots. So hopefully that'll be very interesting to watch, but certainly we're starting to get a more clear p- playoff picture coming in these final few weeks, but I'm going to get into the meat of this uh, uh, segment. Ladies and gentlemen, Albert Pujols, he did it. He hit 700. He finally made it happen. Uh, he hit number 699 and 700 back-to-back at bats at Dodger Stadium on Friday night. I've never been more excited for a opponent to hit a home run off a Dodger player in my life. It was, it was phenomenal. It was an amazing moment. He becomes the fourth member of the 700 home run club, joining Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. Uh, quite a member to, to, to be upon. This is a moment that we've been waiting for all season long. Um, and it finally happened, guys. I was surprised that Pujols got, got his big home run moment before Aaron Judge, to be honest with you, but Aaron Judge still sitting at 60. We're just waiting for him to do it. I don't know when, when it's going to happen, but this week we're talking about about Albert Pujols. Uh, huge congratulations to him. I was pumped that he did it at, at Dodger Stadium. Honestly, I was, I was I was pretty happy about that. Um, but thoughts on your guys in terms of Albert Pujols? You know, as he wraps up his final season here, um, where does he rank for you guys among the greatest hitters of all time? Uh, Alex, what do you got? Yeah. Um... The Albert Pujols thing is awesome. I mean, especially, you know, now in our lifetimes, we've seen two guys hit 700. I couldn't tell you what I was doing when Barry Bonds hit his 700th home run. Couldn't tell you because no, like, unless you're a Giants fan, Barry Bonds is kind of a villain. He's obviously got the asterisk to it. With Pujols, I won't ever forget. I was out having a nice steak dinner with my lovely wife. And like, I remember going, hey, Pujols just hit 699. Just kidding, hit 700. Sorry, it was like 20 minutes later. Um <laughs> I think it's awesome. I mean, he did say like uh, Dodger Stadium would have been the place he wanted to do it other than St. Louis. Um, you know, kind of the Dodgers sort of revitalized him after he left Anaheim in the situation there. So um, it's incredible. Congratulations to him. Um, I mean, I would probably put him as a top three right-handed hitter of all time. Um, I think, you know, Hank Aaron is there. You know, Willie Mays doesn't have 700, but Willie Mays is one of the most incredible baseball players that's ever lived. So probably those three guys are like the top three, you know, right-handed hitters. You know, Pujols as a hitter is probably in the top 10. As a complete player, a little tough. Um, his defense in his early career was really great. As he kind of slowed down and aged, it got it got pretty bad there for a little bit with his defense. But um, an incredible accomplishment. I mean, and who knows if and when we'll see another person hit 700. Love that. Um, James, sounds like Alex got him at number three. Do you have him any, do you have him higher than three of all time, the greatest hitters? I do not. Um, and I'm just talking about right-handed hitters. I would like to like, I said, you know, of all time, greatest hitters ever. Well, I said right-handed cause I didn't want to answer your question. Well, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's your that's problem. Fair point. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about non-steroid guys here when I kind of chalk Albert Poulos up here. Because uh, to be honest, like those steroid guys, like those area guys are insane hitters, just automatic, like crazy. But when you're talking non-steroid guys, guys with no ashes by their name, I say top five for this guy all time. Um, my baseball knowledge isn't as nearly as close to you, 
Tyler or Alex. Um, I might be on power tradings, so I'm cool with that. But top five sounds about right to me. All right, trading. Where do you got Pujols? Yeah, I mean, all time. I think that you could that you could say that Pujols is is a is a top five hitter. Um, just given the fact that he was so dominant when he was, you know, when he was in his prime, uh, and he continued to do it all the way through. Um, and that, you know, that was, I, I, you know, I think that that, that speaks volumes. Um, again, you, you, you try to leave out the, the steroid dudes. So I think top five is probably a very, very safe spot for him. Um, also, I mean, he, he's also going against hitters in a different era and that's always a, a crap shoot. So I think that top five is, is probably a solid safe pick for, for, you know, top hitter, um, you know, in history. I agree, guys. I, I definitely top five, no doubt. In terms of where he ranks in that top five is certainly up for debate. I think in terms of like, you know, right-handed hitters, I put him right behind um, Hank Aaron as the all-time greatest. Um, he he just puts up so many great numbers and he's really been, in, it's been remarkable. I'm so happy that we've been around to watch this guy play. Um, I'm so happy I got to see that 700 moment live. Um, that was a really cool moment. So congratulations, Pujols. You fucking did it. Great, awesome job. And Cardinals guys, they're gonna be in the postseason. And uh, another interesting debate, which we might talk about at some other point, was you know, you know, pool holes was like, should postseason home runs count in for your total career? Because if he, because if it does, he be he be past Babe Ruth and kind of encroaching in on uh, Hank's, Hank Aaron Hank Aaron's record. But you know, that'd be that'd be interesting to kind of throw in the throw in the mix there. But um, uh, Cardinals certainly look like, and they're gonna wrap up the the uh, NL Central pretty soon. So we're gonna see more of Pujols' greatness postseason. He's been one of the best hitters in the, in the national league in the second half of the season. So he's certainly pushing it out there in, 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 the, in his last couple of weeks of, of his career. So it'll be fun to kind of see him wrap up uh, his career there in St. Louis. Uh, moving on. My second uh, Odama of the week is the Cleveland guardians clinched the American league central last week, guys. And this is a shock for a lot of people. And uh, no one really picked this team to win. I think obviously the white Sox were the clear favorite and they've been, no doubt the biggest disappointment of a team of the of 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 the entire uh, league this season and the twins were kind of pegged as that second tier team and they've certainly tanked in the the, the the second half cleveland's kind of been right in there all year long and they've they've been playing amazing baseball the, the, the last couple of months and they become the second american league team to clinch i would not have told you that the cleveland guardians would have clinched their division before the new york yankees that's crazy um but but good for them so Kind of looking at, at this Cleveland Guardians team, as much as, as a surprise have they been, they're they're looking like a pretty solid team here. So going into the postseason, how far do you guys think that that this team can go? Uh, uh, Trading, what what do you think? Yeah, um, you know, as a surprise as to whether they were going to clinch the AL Central, I mean, look at who is in the division. I mean, I guess the White Sox are the big surprise, but after you get past that surprise, there's really no one else that is there, um, and it just you know, the guardians just took advantage. And I think that that, that speaks volumes um, as for, you know, them clenching before the Yankees, I think is simply because everyone else is shit in that division, <laughs> which leads me to say that, you know, I, I think they had a great run. Um, I don't see them getting out of like the first, uh, yeah, yeah, the, I, you know, obviously they'll, they'll make it past uh, they're in the wild card. I forget how the, how the, um, how it breaks down, but I'm pretty sure, um, that their first big season or big first big series, excuse me. I just don't know if they're going to be able to match out with the, with these other teams that are definitely going to the playoffs. I mean, you got, you got the Yankees and the Astros for sure. 
um, going in. Uh, Blue Jays more than likely. Um, Rays more than likely. And then you have, you know, either the Mariners or the, the Orioles. You know, th- those are teams that have just ha- had, you know, a little bit better seasons. I just think that they have a bit, a bit better chance. I mean, I don't think they're going to play the Mariners in that first series. It's just usually play a better team. So maybe I'm wrong, but, um, you know, depending on how it shakes out, I think that the Cleveland Guardians are probably going to meet their match in the first series, that the first main series they play. All right, James, what do you think? Do you think this uh, team is post, post for an upset run, or do you feel like they're going to be an early exit? I I agree with trading. They're, they're, it's going to be an early exit. Um, I think they need to build that culture up a little bit more. Because like you said, like at the beginning of the season, nobody thought that this team was actually going to be where they're at today. And so to them, it's also a shock to that to them, right? Uh, Pitching-wise, they have, what, one good guy in Bieber, right? Like that that's their dude. Who else would pitch that second game? Anybody? Christian McKenzie. That guy's a oh, monster. He is a monster. He has a really crazy fastball. Uh, I'm honestly very surprised he's – sustain this entire season because he is a skinny skinny dude kind of crazy doesn't look athletic at all but he's out here 100 plus that's amazing um so yeah i got those two guys and then for hitting wise you have like jose ramirez um you had that third baseman and the short omed rosario outside of those three it's kind of hard to see who else is going to really provide that offensive punch uh, when when you're facing as the best teams because it's the playoffs, I don't think they're just mentally ready for it yet. I think next year they will be for sure, as, as long as they keep building upon it, especially because the Jose Ramirez extension happened earlier this year, at the beginning of the season. It's kind of building into that, and they're going long-term with this. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them back here next year in a better spot. I just don't think they're going to make it out of what is the first round. I think I think it's a fairly reasonable uh, expectation for the, the Guardians. Um, I just always, I always feel like one baseball team just kind of surprised a little bit in the postseason. Then this might be one of those teams. Um, I feel like when teams change their logo or their name, they always seem to do well that that very next season. And I, I don't know what it is. It just that seems to happen. So the Guardians this is the first year of the Guardians are uh, division champs. But um, Alex, did you see uh, the Guardians Twitter go off and they kept the receipts of like everyone that predicted them to finish like last in the division and then they like, you know, posted their championship win. I thought that was pretty great. Also, <laughs> I think a, a, a big component to the Guardians is their manager, Terry Francona, who I think is arguably probably the best manager in baseball actively currently right now. Do you think he's a huge factor with them going into the postseason? Um, I did see them keep the receipts congratulations guardians twitter that's that's pretty funny um yeah i think it's a huge aspect to it i mean we literally have talked shit about tony la Russa this entire season what if it was flip-flopped like what if tito was the white Sox manager you you know the white Sox could be having an incredibly different 100 100 wins easy yeah who knows i you know um you know obviously like baseball managers with front, you know, front office analytics have really changed a lot since, you know, even when like we were kids, but Tito's kind of one of those guys, um, you know, he obviously he's older, but he meshes great with this, with this young Cleveland team. I believe the guardians are the youngest team in baseball. Um, so yeah, I think it's a huge, a huge portion of it. And I'm going to, to answer your kind of previous questions, I'm going to disagree with the other boys. I think Cleveland's got a great shot to at least win their first playoff series. Number one, they'll be at home. Number two, depending on how the other, I'm 
Baltimore, I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to make it. Seattle and Toronto, like Seattle hasn't made the playoffs in two decades. The Blue Jays, all those young guys have never been in the playoffs. If they have to go, depending on how the seating works out, like if they have to go into Cleveland and face Bieber and McKenzie, plus the, uh, the Guardians are a team that don't strike out. I think they strike out the least, which is like such a big momentum killer in the playoffs, like a big strikeout. If they're not striking out, putting the ball in play, I don't know. I don't think, you know, they can compete with the Yankees or the Astros, but I really do. Th- I think the Guardians have a good shot to at least win their first wild card series and make it to an ALDS. 100%. Um, I think this team is, is very underrated um, and they, they played such great baseball. I think that's such a huge thing going into October is, is how, how well are you playing into it? And we see it time and time again, how many teams can surprise even upsetting teams like the Astros and Yankees. You never know in a, in a series, it can definitely happen, but that's certainly exciting. I think this Guardian team for me is, was probably the most intriguing team to watch going into the American League uh, postseason. Uh, moving on to my final, oh, damn. Uh, we're going to talk about the Marlins for probably the first time all season. Uh, Don Mattingly has decided that he will resign as the, as, as the head skipper uh, for the Miami Marlins following the following uh, season's end. Uh, so he will be out of, of Miami. Um, I think Don Manningly, you know, I think is certainly, I would say, a top 10 manager in, in, in baseball. I, I think he, he's, he's underrated as a manager. He's been in Miami for, for several seasons, never really found much success. You know, they, they, they made the postseason in, in, in that COVID year in, in 2020. Other than that, this, this, this Miami Marlins team has kind of struggled to kind of really make that next step despite changes of, of, of ownership and, and all, all these things and their quote-unquote commitment to winning. Um, but he's gone. Um, so two questions in terms of this news. Do you guys see Don Manning managing again in 2023? So do you think he gets picked up as a manager? Because I feel like that's a pretty solid pickup for several teams, <coughs> White Sox. <laughs> um, and then also, do you feel like the Marlins, this organization, have, as, like I said, they've been made a lot of moves and they've been trying, they've been quote unquote committed to winning for several seasons now. Like I said, you can make you know, that, that, that 2020 season was an interesting year. You can, you know, take that for what it is as, as them making the uh, postseason. But do you feel like in a full season, full 162 game season, in the next three seasons, do you see Miami being a postseason team? Um, I'm going to start with Alex on this one. Uh, as for the Donnie baseball thing, um, I think it's just up to him. Like, if he wants to manage, someone will take him. But also, like, he doesn't have to do shit for the game anymore, like, Don Mattingly was a superstar when he played borderline hall of famer. You know, he was fine as the Dodgers manager. Um, and yeah, you know, I think he's the winningest Marlins manager in history, which is like really depressing to say as, they, as they've only been to the playoffs once. And maybe it's just because they change managers all the time. Um, as for like him leaving the Marlins, you know, we, I guess we kind of expected a step, a step forward from them this year. They didn't do it. You know, they've, and you know, if you're Donnie baseball, he's probably in his sixties, probably like, dude, I'm not sitting around for another forever to wait for another rebuild. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love him going to the white Sox. I think that'd be great. I mean, I don't, it's, it's up to him. Like if he wants to manage or not, as for if the Marlins are gonna make the playoffs next year or next three years, I'm going to say no. Um, mostly just based off of like how good the East is like Atlanta is set up to be really good for the future. The Mets aren't going anywhere with Steve Cohen's pockets and the Phillies, same thing. Like they've got Harper signed for a really long time. Like I just, unless they 
you know, it's the, they turn into the AL East and potentially four teams make it out of the playoffs. I just think like the Marlins have a, a three really good teams above them. And I'm not sure how they're going to get better within three years. Yeah, certainly a, 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 a big hill to climb for that franchise. But um, James, Donnie Baseball, is he is he donning a, a, a skipper hat in 2023? And where do you see the immediate future of the Miami Marlins? I think Mattingly takes a sabbatical to just chill and enjoy his life for a little bit. He's been managing since 2011, right? And he was relatively successful with the Dodgers, but the last couple of years with the Marlins, not so much. So I think Bernard does play a decent factor there. But I think if the right opportunity comes his way, like the Angels, you know, and having two of the best players in baseball, making baseball kind of fun again, I think he might take that job. I think the Chicago White Sox job is a lot of stressors because it is Chicago and the White Sox. Uh, But if you go to the Angels, it's a lot more chill. And you're going to have a lot more fun playing, managing two of the best baseball players if they're still there in baseball. So I think if the Angels come knocking, we'll take it. If it's anybody else, I think he's going to take gear, just chill out and just enjoy the fruits of his labor. As for the Marlins, I don't, I agree with Alex, man. They play in a tough division. It's really hard to make a case for them to make it when you're playing the Mets, the Braves, the Phillies, as often as you do and as good as they are. And outside of that, they really need more offensive pieces outside of Jazz Chisholm. Like he's the guy and he got injured. But outside of that, like, what are we looking at? And outside of Sandy Alcantara, like you're, what are we looking at pitching wise? Like we have an ace, one of the best pitchers of baseball, but you're using him in a, and that's it. So outside of those two guys, Marlins don't look too hot. Yeah. Um, trading kind of same question with Donnie baseball. I, I like the angels thing. I think, I mean, he, I think he, he likes LA. He's been there. He's comfortable there. That's, that's, that's not a bad pick. Um, also too, with the Marlins, you know, let's also remember that Derek Jeter stepped down as an owner for the Marlins because he didn't like what the, the direction the team was going. Do you feel like that was a similar reason why Donnie baseball stepped down? Yeah, you- it's, it's actually very interesting. I was in Miami for a conference and J- Derek Jeter was supposed to be the keynote for the conference that night. And he canceled because he was too busy dealing with the fact that he had you know, quit the Marlins, which was like bizarre. Um, it was really weird. It happened in real time when I was in Miami. So that, that was really weird. Um, nonetheless, uh, I do think that um, Mattingly is, I, I, I actually like the idea of him t- t- taking a step back and just kind of enjoying it. I think that he is hungry to continue working. He's 61. So he's going to continue to want to work, but I don't know that he's going to want to put himself in a position to be on a, on a, uh, you know, a white sock situation or, or any of those teams that are just too high profile. Um, the, like the angels pick seems like a, he's, he's used to the area. He knows the area um, and he'd be dealing. He, he, the, the pressure in, in Anaheim is just way different. And I think that he might dig that, especially a team that, you know, just needs a change up in the right direction. And maybe he would be able to bring that. I don't, I, I like that. And that's, and maybe that's a little bit of bias showing Marlins aren't doing fucking shit. End of story. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting franchise to, to, to look at. Certainly um, just kind of where they're headed and just they're, 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 I don't even know. It, it, it's, it's very, I, I think it's a huge red flag when you have two huge baseball guys and Derek Jeter and Don Manningly resign from their positions. I feel like that's really telling of the Marlins ownership, lack of commitment to winning. Um, I don't feel like this team's going anywhere anytime soon. 
for for that reason. And as you guys mentioned, the division that they're in is just so competitive. There's three teams that you guys mentioned that are just they're not going to be coming down that that ladder anytime soon. So going to be a rough few years for the Marlins. I feel like a uh, team that just can't seem to figure it out. But Donnie, baseball, best of luck to you. Nothing but the but the best to you. Um, you've been great through your career and your your time with the Dodgers. So huge, 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 huge respect for Donnie baseball. So hopefully whatever the future holds, it's all good for him. Uh, but that's going to wrap up my segment for uh, Odams for the second to last week of MLB regular season games. Like I said, next week we got we'll have our final regular season. Uh, hope we'll probably be talking a lot about those 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 final postseason spots. Um, and then we're getting into October baseball where it all matters and it all comes down uh, to who's going to win the World Series. So looking forward to that, boys. But thank you again. And that's all I got for baseball. Awesome. Friday, October 7th is the start of the MLB postseason. So we would look forward to that. That is it for episode 117. Next week, we start talking hockey. We continue talking waiver wires and we talk about MLB baseball playoffs. Um, a lot more sport talk in this in this season. October is, seems to be our favorite um, part of the month because, or part of the year because we get all sports kind of rolling at the same time. Um, unless you're James, because you have so much work, you just hate your life. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you guys. Um, we look forward to bringing you these every single week. Uh, and we can't wait to bring yet another one next week. Hopefully I'm in a little bit better mood because I had one fantasy football, um, but we'll see. I probably won't. So it's over. So it might be over. We'll see. Um, we appreciate you guys. Have a great week and um, we'll see you next time.